Hey, Merlin, how are you doing? No, I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Dan? I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't avoid it. I, I'm, I'm recording fr- from my home, and I'm using a different setup, and it's a lot to set up. But here I am. Hello, Dan. Hey, so yeah, there's a lot of little moving pieces and parts. People don't understand the amount of time that podcasters put into quality of their show you know we are greatly underappreciated that's for sure <laughs> that's um uh, okay there we are all right now i can hear myself um Hi. yeah i mean they 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 shouldn't know or shouldn't have to know but uh i would feel silly not to mention it not least because <laughs> i don't know hey, you know how it is when you set something up and you're like oh yeah you just need you got to get your um microphone source get your you know mm-hmm. monitoring headphone it's source a skill. it's a learned it's a learned skill but that they don't teach seems- in schools but I mean, you know, it isn't like every time we want to listen to a podcast, we have to like realign our entire stack. You just plug stuff in and it works. Or like you pick up the phone and they can hear your voice. Anyway, it's just sometimes, um, I'm not going to blame Apple for this because they've done such great work at making things easy, but sometimes it's a little too smart. And sometimes I'm a little too dumb. And that together is a bad combination. And I have to keep telling it, no. No, this is the microphone, and, and this is the headphones this time. But in any case, I'm here. Unfortunately, uh, some of my preparation time that I usually spend uh, got spent on A, trying to cool off my house, and B, trying to get audio up and running. Mm. I don't know if that's a topic. I think it's probably not. Oh, what you got there? Is that 365? No, this is a Waterloo uh, sparkling water peach-flavored. Mm, I've gotten good. those. A, I've gotten those in grape, and I think they're quite toothsome. Grape is a good option. I like mm-hmm. uh, the black cherry is also really good. Yeah, I have a problem with flavored waters. Usually, you know, it's if it tastes enough like flavor, you kind of wish it was just a pop. And if it doesn't taste like it, it tastes like a flat pop. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, this is really weird. I, this is very, very strange. This is this is like talking to someone from Canada, you know. It's without, it's just, just di- without the uh, little accent. Oot, oot well, it's just it's just different enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. I yeah. Do. Anyway, um, I what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, well I, please go. Please, please give me things to talk about, Dan. I I I have I have a pile of. I'm worse than prepared. I'm worse than unprepared. I'm I'm barely prepared. So what I've got is I've got a lot. I got a pile of scraps and and the oh, scraps I are lot, hot. I got, a, I got a story for you, but before we do that, I've got a question for you. Yes, you there. So if you remember, you, you know that I'm a big fan of what's called a lead holder. Oh yeah, like a Kohenor, one of those. It's a it, pencil. It's so interesting. I've had a pencil weekend. How interesting! See, I don't know what syn- synergy here happened. I don't know what technically the difference is between a mechanical pencil and a lead holder, but I think of a lead holder as being like it's like a mechanical pencil. It's got a big lead, and it's right. it's uh and you, and you feed it out. It's not usually as automatic. How do you describe the difference? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on all that. I think the difference hmm. is a lead holder is a pencil like you said that that is designed it's mainly a container that holds the lead for you whereas a mechanical pencil there's clicking and then it's advancing a very very tiny little lead you can the problem is there's a little venn diagram i have a a lead holder that does both oh my god but uh next thing you tell me it sharpens it for you too Man, that would be the dream, That'd wouldn't be it? Amazing. Well, anyway, this is this lead holder. I got turned on to these things when I was in tenth grade in my drafting classes, and 
ever since then, I've always had one. And my go-to one is not an expensive one. It's made in Germany. It's Stadler. And I think it's called the Mars. Let me see. if Yes. Mars Technico. I'll put it in the show notes as we do. Please do. And so my question, my question for you and for the, the listeners, if, if for those of you who use one of these, and I don't, I don't want your opinion unless you're a big time lead holder user. I know we've got some out there. Well, it really reduces the size of the pie as well as the slice. Yeah. I'm curious. There, I have a sharpener for it, too. Of course, it's, it's, not this, it's exactly the same sharpener, not the identical sharpener, but the same exact one. It's the Stadler 502. And the way these things work is you, you, advan- you allow the lead to come out of the end of the lead holder way more. Sort, sort of like an aroused dog. Yeah. And then you, you kind of let it drop into one of the little point holders on the left. If you don't know if this is going to make no sense unless you've got one of these sharpeners, which I'll also put. Anyway, you sort of let it drop into the hole <laughs> and then you, uh, then you tighten the, allow it to tighten its grip and then you put it in the sharpener hole and you spin it. And by spinning it, that's what sharpens it. My question is this, after you're done sharpening it, do you leave the lead extended or do you retract the lead after sharpening? Right. If I understand your question, this takes us back to the first time any of us ever used a mechanical pencil. When you think, oh, this is cool. A little lead is good. A lot of lead must be great. Right. But if you're using a, a five or a seven, even, it'll just break right off if it's too right. long. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a personal preference thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm trying to think of when I've done this. I think I'm a retractor. I, I will. I think I'll retract a little bit, owing, owing to the experiences of my broken leads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do too. I retract a little. Do Do you think it might be unseemly not to? I think you're. I think you're taking a risk, and I think you're walking a fine line. You're walking no a fine line. Intended. You think you might be flying too close to the sun mm-hmm. as regards yeah, uh, dog leads? Absolutely do. Absolutely do. Um. Hmm. Um, you can hear my brain turning. You might also be able to hopefully hear oh, a little bit of wind. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Um, Are you in uh, Florida? It's uh, it, okay. So uh, just a quick, quick side note. I, I'm in San Francisco where it really doesn't get that warm. Yeah. I don't know if you know, Dan, but the planet is having a lot of heat right now. Yeah. Have you heard this? I have. In in the lounge uh, or what you call the fancy room <laughs> uh, in which I sit right now. <laughs> Vampires don't use towels. I am uh, I'm looking at 41% relative humidity and 85 degrees. And this is That's in, the, hold on, this is in your house. This is Inside. in my home. Holy in, Moses. Yeah. And because there's a little breeze, I had fans on until we started our recording because I'm a goddamn professional. Yeah. Oh, so but now the heat is really setting in. It's actually not that bad, but uh, Just tell yourself that throughout the entire length of the show. Okay, I will. It also reminds me a little bit of uh, a summer I lived in Florida once. Well, I only mentioned it because there was one summer I lived in a house without air conditioning. Um, and so it, it, I'm, I'm smelling some of those smells, um, like the outgassing of plastics, which I guess we don't usually get. We get the outgassings of ancient woods. Okay. <laughs> which, by the way, I don't know if George R. 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 Martin is ever going to finish that, but... What is it? The- <laughs> I mean, no, he, he he will finish it, but just don't ask him when. Well, I mean, I'm sympathetic. It's hard. I think he's still on Live Journal. Good for him. Um, but um, 
Okay, so so this is the the part where my brain's working is um, a thing I, I was thinking about mentioning. I had written down here two things, which is like I, I did a lot with pencils in the last mm. few days, mm-hmm. which is not a topic unless it is. But also my my ongoing struggles with digital versus analog. Yes, and trying to um, trying to intelligently disambiguate. Let's just cut to the chase. Things that are fun and make me happy mm-hmm. versus things that are productive. And mm. and there's no side that always wins at that. But maybe that could be a topic once we talk about pencils. Um, I like that topic. I don't know. I'm a little bit scattershot. Do we have two sponsors this week? Oh, oh gosh. I, I didn't even look at that. I didn't even... Look, I think, I think there's, there's a place where you can uh, you can uh, find people for a job, and there's another uh, place where you can build build it beautifully. Right, I, I feel like. Yeah, that's what I see, and in indeed, you're correct. Oh, okay, Did well, let me that? square. Sp- I got nothing. Um, um, pencil talk. What do you want to talk about? The big stuff, or do you want to you want to pull back, or you want to zoom in? What do you want to do? Uh, right now, I'm feeling like a zooming. Feeling like we should. Okay. Zoom. But right. I also want. I just want to mention. Just want to mention. Yes. That I had. I had a thing happen that I want to talk about, and now I have a ring doorbell. Oh jeez. So, so let's cops. do. Let's di- <laughs> let's do a deep dive into pencils, and then we'll we'll <laughs> completely change everything because I have to tell this story. I have to tell this story. Oh. Yeah, I took mine off. I, I removed mine. Um, I took it down. Okay. Well, we can talk about um, that too. That, save it for the show. Um, put it, put a pin. Did you write that down, Dan? Yeah, I got this. Dan, are you recording this? Yes. This is okay. uh, currently being recorded. Okay. Um, pennies. Hmm. Um, I have always, this is no secret, but mm. just in terms of like 30 second disclosure, I've always loved office supplies and school supplies. And yeah, I think my ardor, for physical office supplies, it comes from several places. One of them is obviously like back to school time mm-hmm. when you get folders and you get all that stuff. And like, if you're like me, you know, you write your name of the subject on it. And I have a mental model for what color folders should be for each class in my head. I always had a mental model for class colors. Whoa, that's not a racist. Mm-hmm. But um, I always look forward to that. As I got older, I came to really enjoy index cards what you call three by five cards. I, love, I think I got I into those. You, didn't you do the hipster PDA thing? Wasn't I don't remember. You? I really mm-hmm. don't remember. Public display you. of affection. Um, <laughs> didn't like those little kisses I give you. PDA. Oh. Um, I um, And I'll tell you where I think I kind of got into index cards in particular was in uh, college, where like whenever they clean out the card catalog, you remember this? Like, if you, you like, you go somewhere, you got to look in the card catalog, you got to go look up, you go to subject, or you go to, you know, you know, uh, numbers or whatever, you look up a topic, an author, and then there's a pile of old index cards, which used to be, um, you know, uh, what what do you call it? Catalog cards, right? But they were no longer used. So you could use the other side of them to write down your numbers for where you need to go look, get get your book. Yeah. So like, Hey, free index cards. I think that's part of it. I love the portability. I love all of this stuff, but to cut forward a little bit, the part with the struggle that we'll, I guess we might come back to is that like, I enjoy, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. I like hardware that does stuff with software a lot. And there certainly are innumerable cases where I've wanted to just use an app because I like using an app or using a computer because I like that computer or whatever. But I mean, arguably, the thing I need to keep an eye on is that I like 
physical, you know, pens, pencils, notebooks, whatever you want, any of that stuff. I love all that stuff so much. And, you know, see also buying a new notebook doesn't make you a better writer. I hear that siren's call, the siren call of paper, like all the time. And I'm always just trying to like catch myself to realize whether I'm doing it in a wholesome Mm. and perhaps productive way Mm. because that siren song can also, you know, the the mermaids will make you drown. You know what I'm saying? I do know. Yeah. They, they don't want what's best for you. But this is a, this is an unholy alliance because um, (laughs) I have a pre-existing love for, you know, all that stuff, all the physical, you know, office supply kind of stuff. Of course. And one of my, uh, one of my two longstanding, I wish I tried harder and gotten better at this. One of those things is drawing. I really want, I'm, I'm like almost impossibly left brained in how I draw. I mean, it's really, I just like a circle is a face kind of stuff, like really bad. Yeah. And over the years I've kind of played at that. We went to a museum this weekend, uh, did a family trip to the MoMA here in town. And, uh, um, (laughs) while I was there and we exited through the gift shop, I noticed a, uh, a new kind of black wing pencil. Oh, no. And, uh, and I really like black wing pencils. I know you do. And it wasn't just a new kind of black wing pencil, but it's a new kind of black wing pencil that's even more black wing than most black wings that I like, which is it's crazy soft. I like a very soft lead. Um, and so I picked some of those up. So I've been doing things with pencils. I've been doing things with pencil sharpeners. Mm. Not a lead holder, mind you. Uh, and, uh, and I've been doing a little bit of drawing. I've been learning how to draw adorable creatures. I'm having a lot of fun with like it. What kind of, like, uh, which creatures are you, are you into? Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I the, 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 the best book about drawing that I've never fully implemented is the very famous drawing on the right side of the brain, mm. which we can put into notes. Um this is one of those books that, to me, in my head, you know, maybe doesn't rise to the level of getting things done or it's all too much, but it does rise to, um, I mean, you think about, like, when I was looking for a job in the 90s, the, the book about resumes everybody bought was What Color Is Your Parachute? Oh, yeah, that, that, was, the, that was the very famous book, along with, like, Someone Moved My Chair or something like that. Weren't those the oh, two? Oh, later on, there was uh, Who Moved My Cheese. Cheese. But, but, yeah, but I'm, what think, I'm thinking of the They Might Be Giants song. <laughs> what color is my chair? Dome, dome, dome. <laughs> Um, but, but, but in the same way that, uh, what colors your parachute was at one point pretty much synonymous with, um, aspiring professionals wanting to improve their resume and it was updated annually. You always get the new version or for example, like the writer's guide book on where to submit things. There's those kinds of books or like an MLA. There's certain kinds of books that are practically canonical for doing a, a certain kind of thing. I can't say, but I feel like drawing on the right side of the brain is kind of like that. Because the whole thesis of the book is, well, I, I mean, I shouldn't say because I've never implemented all of it, but it's got all these amazing exercises for making you see differently and then draw differently, to wholly differently. Because the problem with being a, a, a left brain person and I don't know if that's science, but let's just say that I can't draw. And I think that's part of the reason why is I draw what I think something should look like rather than how it actually looks. And if you've ever watched anybody draw or paint anything, 
there's those periods where you're like, what is this person doing? Or like they're building up layers in a painting and you're like, oh my God, I just make an oval and put dots on it for eyes, you know? And that book that has these, the exercise I always remember that was so illuminating to me is to flip through a magazine or a book you've never seen, but flip through it upside down until you see like a big photo that you've never seen before. This sounds weird, but having never seen that photo before, start drawing that photo upside down as you look at it. And the craziest thing happens, which is that you start drawing what your eyes see rather than what you think the face should look like. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you're, 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 it's more, it's coming from your, your, your mind's eye in a way. It's coming. It's instead of like, I I feel I can't, I'm not a professional, but I mean, I feel like instead of like, um, Instead of trying to make what I think a face looks like, I'm just making a bunch of lines and not lines that end up... All I'm saying is if you ever do this exercise, it's going to blow your mind. It looks... Excuse me. Especially if you're not a good drawer like I am. It's amazing. You're like, how did that happen? You know, What did I do? And the book is just full of great exercises like that to kind of like unclench your brain and get you away from this. I have you understand like, you know, you do this with these, these lines and these shades and, and contrast and color and all the different kinds of things designers know about. But, um, so there's that book, but I, I picked up a book. This is really embarrassing, but I'm having so much fun with it. I bought a book called how to draw adorable. How to just, so how to I am, draw cute. I'm a 55 year old man. Go look at it if you can't add it to notes. How to draw adorable. And it's this, this, uh, you know, like, sort of like, uh, it's this woman just basically saying, like, hey, here's how to, here's how to draw adorable things. If I learned how to do this, my daughter would probably want to hang out with me. Well, if you can set aside the fact, I'm, my, my faces are looking pretty adorable, mm-hmm. but because I don't understand what I'm doing, anytime I try to do anything beyond what they just showed me exactly how to do, it all falls apart. So in the last two days, I've gotten pretty good at making babies with comb overs because I don't know how, how hair do. <laughs> I like that. I'll, uh, I'll photograph some and uh, I don't know, maybe put them in notes. Um, babies and with cars. Um, but, um, but I find that so absorbing, but you know, in that instance, let me be honest here. Red flag number one, you're probably not like this, but I know some of us are red flag. Number one is again, to paraphrase the great Leslie Harpold, who once said, I don't like buying toys for my toys. Anytime you acquire something and that makes you think you need to acquire more things. Mm. I'm not saying that's bad, but it's definitely a, a moment where you want to take a beat and pause and go like, well, is this really, is this really, in this instance, is this really a drawing thing or is this like a, a fun buying thing? Um, but so, so yeah, I did get a new pencil sharpener too. Pretty excited about it. I have a couple of pencil sharpeners I'd love to recommend uh, if we have time. But um, no, I really struggle with that. So I'm trying to, I'm, I'm putting this all pretty poorly, but like, I'm having fun drawing adorable things. So here's, I don't want to give away this, uh, this woman's whole gig. What's her name? Her name is Carly Ann Tipsy, which is a, an adorable name. To, do you have to have skills to be able to do what she's doing? No, um, no. That's, I think that's the benefit of, a, of this silly book that I'm enjoying is that, I mean, you've probably been, you ever seen this? Like when somebody's like, here's how to draw like Mickey Mouse. 
Like when you draw Mickey Mouse, you draw these three circles right. and then two more circles. And when you look at it that way, as an idiot like me, well, like I understand what a circle is. I'm not great at drawing circles, but it already looks more like than, so that than what I would have come up with on my mm -hmm. own. Mm -hmm. Um, so any of those kinds of things where like, or think about when you're a little kid and it's, you know, the middle of uh, November and what do you do? You get a paper plate, you trace your hand and, and you make it into a doomed turkey. You outline your hand and that becomes the titular fowl. That's right? it. You're done. Mm -hmm. Um, so in, in that case, I mean, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not treating this like something that's going to make me a good artist, but then let me go back again. Now, I enjoy this. I enjoy these materials. I love the way these pencils, in this case, the Blackwing Matte, M-A-T-T-E. I love the way these pencils smell. I, I like the little curly shavings. I, like, I, I love all of it. And I find it really relaxing and centering just to doodle. Mm. let alone to like try and absorb myself in, mm. you know, in, in making a, a comb over baby. So anyway, that, that's the balance for me is trying to like figure out, you know, the modality that's going to work for what I'm trying to achieve versus the thing that feels easiest or most fun. Because the things that feel easy and fun, I mean, can I talk just another second about this? Yeah, I'm, I'm into this. I'm here. Oh, yeah, whatever. Um, but like, you know, it's, if I'm in a mode where, for example, I'm doing some of my power puttering and like I'm cleaning the house and like anybody uh, who's followed power puttering knows one of the joys of power puttering is that there's a certain velocity where you're like, I've got a thing that I'm going to do. But the whole point that changes uh, from from regular puttering to power puttering, puttering is you're like, oh, I'm just going to like rearrange these spices or whatever. But you going into it, power puttering, the idea is that I'm gonna, I got some things I want to do today, like maybe kind of general things, like clean the kitchen or do a thing. And you get this weird, like, absorbing multimodality where you're doing a thing, but as you're doing that thing, you're open to the idea that that's going to tell you what other things need to be done, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's, uh, it's not stressful, but it's not, it's kind of relaxing, but it's mostly absorbing. If you get, if you're like me and you have my particular ADHD, it's like, that's, that's a nice way for me to spend most of a Thursday is dealing with the house, all the things that I've got to do. Right. But you know, I, there are times when I'm like, I'm on the horns of a dilemma. I'm like, well, here's the thing I want to remember to do later, but not now. Do I want to write that down? And if I write that down, does that go on this piece of paper that's not in this room should I put up a whiteboard in the place where I'm having the thoughts or should I just be yelling to my digital device? And that sounds silly, but I think that's a fairly, for me anyway, that's a pretty typical modern dilemma is where did the, where does this belong rather than where does it feel good to put? I feel like you could summarize a lot of where we trip ourselves up in life by not knowing the difference between like, do, do I like doing this here versus do I like, you know, this morning I was screwing around before, before long story short, I, um, I, I was uh, screwing around with uh, VS code this morning and doing some stuff. And I realized yeah. that there's a mind map module, a markdown mind map module in visual studio code that will show you your H's and your list items as a, as a mind map. So it's kind of like, it's generating a mind map, meaning it's not really like a, an official mind map. Okay. But, but, but like, and then I did, and I caught myself in, in, and per the early days of back to work, I found myself saying out of scope, like your job this morning is not to play with a plugin for VS code. But do, do you get what I'm saying in that instance? Like, 
that is fun for me. That's a, what an attorney might call an attractive nuisance. And I need to kind of tell myself, well, the thing we're trying to accomplish right now is not playing with a new, uh, this is not a kind of productive puttering, not today, because there's other stuff that needs to be done. And so what do you, well, you could go write down a note to do it later or give yourself a reminder with your digital assistant to do it later. But to me, that's, that's a thing that I, I'm not saying I like struggle with it. I'm, it's not causing me stress, but that is a thing that I think about. If you think about it too much, it makes you sound like kind of a pill. Like you're like, oh, I've got to be efficient and effective all the time. And it's not so much that it's that I, I think it's valuable to operate in these different modalities, but also on these different levels. The modality of like, how should I be conducting my work right now? Um, but also that presence of mind, maybe a different axis that helps you to catch yourself when you're not pursuing the thing you thought you were pursuing, mm. right? And then now your power puttering has just become like power wandering. So I, I, I try to keep an eye on that stuff, but I do like pencils. Okay, I brought that back around full full circle really you feel like it huh i do i'm feeling the way well, everything whole sounds weird um it? well you sound nice. surprisingly it's... not weird you sound the same oh this is the sure mv7 oh the mv7's nice yes i really dig um, the mv7 and you're usually in the sm7b right i'm usually usually on an ev something i think oh. but i forget i forget what it is that's the office where it's probably even hotter um, but, um, I don't know. That's what I think about. That's what I think about. And like, again, I, I mean, I realize that it probably sounds like I'm like thinking too much about a weird thing, but I think that's valuable. And I think it has offshoots in many directions. A thing I like to say is when you're looking for something that you can't find, look for it. Like wherever you just looked for it, the first place you look for it, that's probably where you should store it unless you want to make your brain change. Why do you look, why are you looking for this thing somewhere other than this one spot? Well, it's because you're storing it somewhere that's not the most intuitive because some other part of your brain said, oh, well, this is where that kind of thing goes. Right. You know, like, you know, think about like a, a flashlight is probably a pretty good example. A flashlight is one of those things that requires a change in modal thinking. Where am I going to need a flashlight versus where is it convenient to store a flashlight? Mm -hmm. Right? And I'm not mm -hmm. saying you should turn your whole life upside down, but that's the kind of thinking I find really valuable is like, and, it, and sometimes it really, you know, sometimes it pays off. And, you know, where you've thought about how to do something and where it goes, you've operationalized it. This is before we even get into stuff like I should be able to do most things in the dark with one hand. There's a lot of ways about thinking about how you organize and do things that ought to support a, a removal of friction in the right places and maybe in some cases a sharpening of friction in other places. Or as again, as I like to say, um, try to figure out which parts of your job are necessarily hard right. versus which parts of your job are unnecessarily hard. And a lot of the art in your professional career will be figuring out how to minimize unnecessary difficulty while giving you time to do, you know, the reason you get the big bucks. You know, I remember one time a uh, friend of the show, Matt Howie, was in town. This was years ago. And it was still kind of, you know, early on in like, I mean, I'd run companies before, but 5 by 5 was sort of like growing and 
And he was saying, you know, you should, you should hire someone to help you because it sounds like mm-hmm. you're like way too busy. And I was, and I, I said, right, but like, who do I hire? Who, who do I hire? And he said, you know, think about everything that you do in a day and make a list if you need to, of those things that you do. And, um, find out the things that you don't like by kind of putting a little feeling about how those things are, what, what you're doing. So like if you, if you're when recording you yourself podcasts, doing, when you imagine yourself doing that, how does it make you feel? Right. So like if you're recording a podcast, you might say like, feel good. Uh, and if you're doing accounting, you might say feel horrible and like, I want to die. Overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and so maybe that's the thing that you should outsource, you know, find, find the thing that you don't enjoy doing. And if it's possible to outsource it, there's probably somebody out there who likes accounting and who would love to do that work for you. And if you can, if you can offload it or outsource that, then what's going to happen is you're going to actually free up that time, even though you think, well, that might cost money, that might cost me $200 a month to outsource all of the invoicing and billing and everything. And it might cost $1,000, might cost way more or even less. But you're going to say, well, wait a minute, that time that I'm spending doing it probably inefficiently, probably not really knowing what I'm doing, I'm now going to get that time back. It might be two hours a week, it might be five hours a week, you're going to get that time back. And so in theory, you should be able to devote that time to doing something that's more productive that actually might earn you money or bring you joy. And those are the, that's kind of the test I use for myself is, you know, if, if I'm doing something, it should either be revenue generating or joy generating. And Mm. if it's neither of those things and it's related to the business, then is it something that I could outsource? And I remember a long time ago, years and years ago, I would do the, all the yard work and everything myself for the house that I was living in. This was back in Florida. And that meant I had a lawnmower. I had an edger. I had a, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. a weed whacker. And I also had, you were talking before about having to get things for your things. So the edger and the weed whacker, uh, and maybe the, the mower also, you, well, you they all need fuel, they all you need, need fuel, but you also need oil and you have mm-hmm. to mix the appropriate amount of oil into the fuel. And so you have to have a special fuel container or containers for those things. And then you need to have the fuel sitting out. You need a place to store all of this stuff, but you also need to maintain it. Mower blades don't stay sharp forever. So you, you, do you have a spare one? Do you have to change it? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I need a tool to do that. Right. Um, and if I'm going to take that to get it sharpened, well, that's an extra task that I need a vehicle for, and I need gas for the vehicle. I need to set aside time to sharpen the blade, which isn't every month. It's every few months, but you need that. Otherwise the grass splits and it doesn't, it's not as healthy. And then and if you to- haven't, if you haven't sharpened it in a while, that can lead to procrastination. Cause then you're like, do I need to do the blade? Do I have what I need? You know, do I have what I require if I wanted to do that? And, and like, before it's not I that mow hard. this weekend, I need to make sure that I go to the thing to get the thing sharpened. And so there's a lot of work and then there's actually doing the work yourself and what's the weather like and how bad are the allergies and do we need to worry about that kind of thing? And do I, well, you know what? These things are really loud. Don't want to wear earplugs. If I wear earplugs, I can't really listen to a podcast while I'm doing it. So I need to get headphones that go over it. And now I'm wearing a mask and I also need sunglasses and a hat. And like you're out doing this. And by the way, mowing your yard, if you have a decent sized yard and edging and weed whacking and all of that stuff, that takes time too. You know, that can take hours. That can take three, four, five hours. So now you're doing this with all the maintenance on the weekend you're probably spending half of a weekend day 
doing this. Now, if you love it, then there's people who just love being outside yes. doing this kind of stuff who don't live in Florida, then maybe it's not so bad. But what I quickly realized was for about $150 a month, someone would do all this for me. Mm-hmm. And what I get back is about four to six hours per week, half of a weekend day or more. And I no longer have to think about or manage any of those other connected related processes. So on the surface, you're like 100, 200 bucks, whatever it was for, for getting this done, too expensive, I'll do it myself. But then when you look at what's actually involved in doing it yourself and the amount of time and everything that you get back, you're like, wait a second. I'm actually losing money by doing it myself because if instead <laughs> right. I took five, four to six hours per week and invested it in something else that made either made me money or made me happy, then I'm winning. I'm winning. So it's like that's the kind of decision I think that, that you have going back to what you're saying before that like that's what comes into play for me is making those kinds of decisions where on the surface it looks like, oh, I'm spending extra money. But at the end of the day, maybe you're saving money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to think about, I don't think there's any one sort of, uh, I don't know, rubric for for measuring this, but there's some that are no-brainers. Like, I'm trying to think about what the characteristics of this are. But like, uh, I'm trying to make this very general, obviously, for it to be useful. Well, is this something, is this something that I'm good at? Is it something that I like to do? Um, and then if we're going to get into the more mercantile way of looking at it, does this in any way sort of create value? Well, that can mean lots of things. Create value could mean billable hours. And it could mean that, I mean, forgive my saying it this way, but like, well, my kid and I both like it when we go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean I'm going to hire somebody to do it f- right. for me if I don't like doing it. But those all things, those things all have to be measured in some way. But I think the way when you're trying to think about what to give to other people versus do yourself, part of that complexity. And I agree. I think that's good advice. You, you and Matt are both smart on that. Is trying to decide um, how well defined the edges of your task are. Um, and, and I think that's one of the problems with deciding to outsource, especially to other people. And it's where I've generally fallen short is I am a practitioner, right? I like, there's, I'm, I'm not a strategy person and I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm closer to being an in the weeds person about almost everything I do. And that's sometimes what I'm a practitioner of so, for example, like an easy one might be I uh, don't like going to the grocery store Mm-mm. and uh, I don't think I'm good at going to the grocery store. And I- I'm sure there are instances in which value has been created by my going to the grocery store. But, you know, just uh, all, the, all other things being equal, that's the kind of thing where given an app, like a grocery shopping app, that is more valuable for me. Yeah. Um, to have somebody else do it. And partly it's that the edges are very well defined. The place I fell down and where I really didn't do handle it well at the times I've outsourced stuff or had an assistant for a while was like a lot of what I wanted to do was some combination, what I wanted that person to do was a combination of not having very well defined edges and also because of how I am thinking like I, I, it's just easier and better for me to do this myself. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a better ear for BS than my virtual or my, you know, um, remote assistant. And so the remote assistant would say, oh my gosh, there's an emergency. You've got to go talk to this person. And no, the emergency was, that's a, 
some dangling writer on a deadline. So now I've got two problems, or maybe three problems, which is that like now I've got a, this, I got the interruption, plus I'm paying the person to give me the interruption. And like, how do you how do you teach that to somebody? Well, a good manager can and does teach that, and a good manager is also a person who's good at defining the edges of a task, right? Don't you think? Like when you're yeah. good with you know, I guess on some level, it's what makes you good at performing a task, but it's also what makes you good at at assigning work to other people is there's, there's a clear understanding. If you do it well, there's a clear understanding about what needs to be done. Uh, we liberal arts majors, you know, love the freedom to get it done the way we want, but sometimes you have to say how it needs to be done. Sometimes how something needs to be done is much more important than whether or when it is done. Like if you're going to be contacting uh, potential clients, that's an artful thing. You don't want somebody to get wrong because they didn't know how to read the room. But, you know, those clean edges can be really good. But I feel like I struggle from that. I struggle with that, um, trying to find the well-defined edges, even in all the stuff we're talking about, which, I mean, if we pop up three levels, you get to this one level of, and, and this gets into stuff like home organization. This gets into stuff like uh, even cleaning your desk of like, well, sometimes I won't know what else I need to be doing until I've wasted some time doing the wrong thing. And sometimes some really odd, uh, underused or disused part of my brain, hmm. like it's like a Stuka dive bombing in and going, Arr! like you, uh, that's not the sound a Stuka makes actually, but um, it might have, what is I don't the know. Sound? What sound does it make? Well, I think they dive bomb. Was it Stukas over uh, Dunkirk? What were the Dunkirk? Uh, the, dive, the dive bomber was really, as we know, was really, really quite a development in World War II. It was a terrifying instrument of war. Yeah. But anyway, something in my, from my brain that I, that I hadn't brought in uh, dives in and helps me recalibrate or better reframe what it is mm -hmm. that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And again, to quote one of my two, one of the two quotes I quote from Stephen Covey, uh, make sure your ladder is against the right wall. Sometimes, if your ladder is not, and just to really beat this to death, if your ladder is not against the right wall, you're getting great at the wrong thing, or you're trying to improve at something that's not necessary. That's that's the wrong wall. Well, how do you know if it's the? I mean, if you're spending all your time trying to like optimize your time on the ladder, you may not be spending enough time realizing that's the wrong wall. Um, and forgive me if that seems broad or, or silly, but like I think that's incredibly valuable. And and let's let's give a concrete example of that. Like like I like I mentioned, I think here recently, my family was out of town for a little while, and one of the things I did was essentially reclaim a bunch of spaces in the house where we they just turned into dead deep storage. And like that was an instance where, despite ten, fifteen, twenty years of moving things around and organizing and all that stuff. Well, what are you organizing in my case? To again quote myself, organizing your email is like alphabetizing your recycling. Finding a better way to store expired food is not doing anybody any favors. No matter how, and I'm getting going somewhere with this, but like no matter how good I get at organizing expired food, I hope that Stuka pays me a visit and says, dude, do you really want to keep old food alphabetically? Or, you know, Library of Congress or whatever you choose. And to me, that's the truly artful part. That's that other axis. That's the Stuka coming in and saying, huh, it sure seems like you spent a lot of time acquiring materials to organize all of this expired food. And, you know, whatever, y'all can use your own example for that, but you probably, like, your, your glove box right now. Like, how's your glove box? Is it doing what you'd like a glove box to do? To put it into Peter Walsh terms, 
is that space in your life getting you closer to where you'd like to be, the life you'd like to have? Um, and, and that's, I think that can be a very valuable thing. And, you know, I, this gets a little bit into the chick sent me high flow stuff where like, if it's something I like doing and it's paper and it's all those different kinds of things, all those attractive nuisances with which I struggle, like I, that's, that's a time I really triple need to check myself because just because it's fun doesn't make it useful. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm good at it doesn't make it valuable. Um, sometimes I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to come back to that phrase, well-defined edges. Well, sometimes I need to redefine what the edges of a task are. And sometimes that means realizing the task does not need to be done. If, you know, this is your annual reminder that there's probably at least one email in your inbox right now that, you know, in your heart, you're never going to do anything about, and yet it just keeps popping up. You keep snoozing it. And that's not a criticism. I do it. Everybody does it, but that doesn't make it good. That's that's the part of you, that's that little tickle. I'm going to stop talking about Nazi bombers now. But like that little tickle that makes you realize maybe you should do something differently. If and and you know, if to put it just another way, I think this is something that happened during the pandemic. How we got into this one aspect of how we get into that hateful term quiet quitting, which I think is really about boundaries. But it's like, oh, but even that, even realizing I want more boundaries in my life was not a thought you allowed yourself to think 3 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now you realize that maybe this quality of life is worth it, that maybe I can see the matrix and I, yeah, I need a job, but I need a job that doesn't make me feel lesser that, you know, but how, what is it that it takes for us to realize that kind of thing? And I don't know, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that anybody who does knowledge work, which is probably almost everybody listening to this, that's your job. Your job is figuring out your job. I mean, part of your job is doing your job, but a big part of your job is figuring out your job. And even if you feel like you don't have a surpassing amount of agency in what you do, I bet there's still a lot of aspects that include things like time management, if you like prioritization. There's still a lot of stuff that you have to accept um, and sometimes uh, modify on the fly in a way that's very difficult to describe to another person. Right, it's there's very fuzzy edges in a lot of what we do. Um, another extreme example, like if you let something go for too long because you trusted somebody else to take care of it, you might end up with a Billy Joel type situation or a Rolling Stones situation. It's like, oh, I guess I should have paid more attention to that person I hired to do this thing because now I'm, I've got these problems. Mm-hmm. And I, you can do that also, you know, to yourself. On the one hand, I don't want to spend all day redoing all of my audio hijacks, all the little things I keep meaning to get better at. Learn how to use, um, oh, what's the, um, what's the, uh, what's the other Rokami app with the connections? Loopback. Loopback. I keep meaning to learn Loopback, but I haven't had to learn how to use Loopback. I keep meaning to learn Logic, but I don't really need to learn Logic. I keep meaning to modernize the way I handle doing podcasts on our beloved sponsor, Squarespace. There's all of those things. It's just that when I don't need to do that, it doesn't rise to the top. But all of those little nicks and cuts accumulate until you realize that the edges need to be redefined right. on, on some level. And I think that's the challenge of knowledge work in a lot of ways. Before we even get into all the human interaction stuff and the like, you know, is my boss mad at me stuff, there's just all this other different stuff about having to reframe what it is that's the best use of your time today. And the ultimate knowledge work job is humanity, really. Like deciding that, you know what, uh, we're not going to do anything today. Like I'm going to go do something with my family or I'm going to go get up, get my teeth cleaned or whatever mm-hmm. needs to happen. You know, um, the way that, the way that to, to, 
to be successful, to be managed well, to be liked in a group by all of your peers and your betters, you have to act like there's no, in some ways, you have to act like there's no other part of your life than like when we're all doing this one thing together. And that's an artful thing to figure out. Anyway, I like pencils. I got pencils I like. Did you want to tell me about something you like? I'd like to tell you about Indeed. Indeed. When you're looking for uh, to improve, Marlon, mm. you got to look for improvements that build on themselves, like hiring for your business. Are you talking about the kind of thing where you find somebody uh, yeah, to outsource what it is you do? You need, you need some extra hands on deck. That's exactly right. This is what we were talking about before. You're going to get better at hiring, right? Uh, you want to hire great people faster. You want to grow your business and you want to keep on hiring. This is the question, Merlin. How do you get better at hiring? This is where Indeed comes in. Indeed, hmm. it is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire, and you do it all in one place. So instead of spending hours on like multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, the, Indeed, basically they become, you got to think of them like your hiring partner. They, do, they help you do it all. And this is what they have. They've built these time-saving tools. And the one that I'm going to tell you about today is... is um, is one called Indeed Instant Match. And this is what's really cool. They actually have a statistic here, and I know I know you're a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. Big um, data. Over 80% of employees get quality candidates where their resume on Indeed actually matches the job description. And this is the cool thing. The moment that you sponsor a job, you're getting quality candidates. That is the coolest part about it. But there's also, I'll tell you about another thing they have called assessments. So... They have all of these assessments. Now, you know, applicants like, oh, I don't want to take a test. But this is the thing. You can, they can go. They're already probably taking a lot of these tests. But they have over 135 assessment tests. And trust me, applicants take these because they're kind of fun. They're kind of interesting to take. They take the stress out of the interview process because the candidate gets to prove themselves before the interview. And you already know, oh, they took these assessments. Like, I don't need to ask them questions about this kind of stuff. They've already shown that they know it. And a lot of the time, if you're out there job seeking, you're like, great, what kind of questions are they going to ask me? Is it going to be stressful? No, this takes all of that away. You do it at your own pace. You do it at your own time. If you're a candidate, it, they've just they've really thought of everything. And there's more than three million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire people. It's very, very cool. I really like this system. And I actually know someone who's used it to get their job too. So it works both ways. This is the thing. They're giving us a special deal. So if you want to start hiring now, you're going to get a $75 sponsored job credit so that you can upgrade your job post at Indeed.com. But you have to go to the special URL, Indeed.com slash back to work. So again, this is a $75 credit. It's only at Indeed.com slash back to work. I'm supposed to say two different things here. Mm. Offer good for a limited time. In addition to our old friend Merlin, terms and Mm -hmm. conditions apply. They do apply, Dan. That's for sure. So if you need to hire That's what Merlin, terms and conditions do. You need Indeed. So Indeed. go check them out. Indeed.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Ding. Thanks, Indeed. Buck, buck. Wait. Well, I'm at the house. I don't have a house, no. Bell. Hold on. Do I have one? I got to hear it. Oh, it's okay. I got one somewhere, but... I had one over here somewhere. Hey. I'm going to start a whole box that's just for when I have to record I don't at home. see the bell. I have this ugly, happy face bell that sounds terrible, but... Hmm. I think they'll know. They'll know the, the, the bell in was in In my opinion, heart. the ad is still running. Oh, dear. Oh, no, it can't end. 
Oh no! Oh boy! Oh, hold on, I got a bell. I got a. Dan, Dan is Dan is. This oh. is my Liberty Bell from uh, oh. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that I got Liberty. when I was about seven years old. Oh well, that's terrific. Liberty Bell was a lot smaller than I expected. Well, I mean, I'm holding it right here in my hand. Well, it's just nice that it's usually something people say to me. See, I hit a bell there, but um, that was a lot of meandering. But I think there's kind of something there. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, I, I, just because of how my brain is, and you know how I was, if you like, I guess educated. Sure. The fact that I'm a little bit skeptical about a lot of things, I'm always kind of looking. Yeah, but I'm always looking for like not the exception to the rule, but the oh, like everybody on the internet. I'm always looking for the yeah, but yeah, but what about this? And hmm. I don't know, man. I just I think I think this stuff that it sounds so ponderous to like you know spend any of your any of your time thinking about this, but I really I really think that the, these kinds of struggles that I'm talking about are endemic to pretty much almost anybody with. A, a professional knowledge work job, whether they realize it or not, you know, because it's, there's a certain way of coping with life and keeping your head down and getting things done where you're like, oh, well, I, I do this because I have to do this and it has to be done this way. And that's so true in so many instances, but there's so much inertia inside of, I feel like most teams and organizations, there's so much inertia to do things a certain way even if the consequences are merely social, which are very rarely a merely kind of thing. But like, I think it's, I think it's difficult to like, uh, to keep a, keep your head about you with this stuff. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I think it's difficult because in the same way that Starbucks doesn't really want you to think about whether you should join a union. I think your team probably doesn't want you thinking over much about the most valuable person to do this task. When I worked at McDonald's, I was not consulted about whether I felt like mopping the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I was right. not asked if I had any ideas about ways to do it better. No. You know, any of that kind of stuff. And I was, in as such as I was evaluated, I would be evaluated based on like how well I hewed to like what I was told to do, which is, let's be honest, a ton, a ton of even American, even contemporary culture is like, did you do the thing? But I don't know. It makes it anytime you get beyond like one person, it gets obviously super complicated. But different people do things different ways. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like for that realization, for that tickle to hit you that there's so, so many levels of like, oh, could I do this thing better? Could I do this thing? Could I automate this thing? Could I do this more efficiently? And sometimes it might take you a while before you get to, should I be doing this at all? Or should I be doing something very different from this? And, you know, in a way not dissimilar to the way David Allen talks about the, you know, altitudes in life of the, the decision making that we make, you know, somewhere between specific widget turning task and why you're, why you exist. There's all these different altitudes of like thinking about, you know, how to decide what is valuable, what, what is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is very intuitive and that's fine. But like, you know, we don't get that many like personal offsites where we are encouraged to think about ladders and walls yeah, well, I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm into this come on come on is that gonna be a good title ladders yeah probably ladders. with all due respect to Stephen Covey oh, um but I mean so uh, as long as we're at it I mean there was something we put a pin in something earlier you're gonna talk about right 
Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to do let that. Me, let me do one more. Let me do one more real quick, though, All just because right, sure. uh, I, I think it's kind I think it's kind of related and it is kind of um, kind of back to worky. Yeah. Is like, I mean, boy, this is really meta. This is, my head is so far up my ass, Dan. Sometimes one of the most valuable things you can do is evaluate how valuable something is. Really. I mean, so like... Um, I mean, setting aside the stuff you have to do because it's your job, like, you know, me deciding like, well, I can either mop this lobby or I can get a different job. That's kind of what that comes down to. Mm -hmm. There's, there's another part though, that's much more slippery because you can find examples of all kinds of things where the old way is better, the new way is better, a different way is better. Not doing it all at all is better. A phrase, um, I'm kind of, I've become obsessed with. In the last year or so, we talked about this on Rectus last week, is that phrase Chesterton's fence, which is the writer G.K. Chesterton has proposed, had proposed this idea that like, don't remove a fence on your property until you know why the fence was built. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that about sounds that. like good advice, right? Well, yeah, but think about it. Like, well, why is that even a thing we would need to say? Um, I'm reminded of the wonderful Simpsons episode, Hurricane Nettie. When, uh, when, when Bart is showing Rod and Todd their room and, and Rod says he doesn't like the poster and he's going to take it down and, and Bart goes, well, we can't take that down. That's a load bearing poster, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great line, but like that's, that's also what we mean by, by, by Chesterton's fence, which is like, if you just bought some land and there's a nasty looking like gross eyesore of a fence in this case, mm-hmm. and maybe and it doesn't have to be a fence, but that's just the, the analogy. It's like, you know, before you remove that fence, you should understand why that fence is there. Sure. Which sounds obvious, but let's be subtle for a minute. Yeah. When we say, why is it there? What are we really, we're saying, why was it built? Sure. Right. Um, but really, what we're really asking, what we should be asking is, why didn't people remove that fence before? And that's where the art comes in, because that's where you learn concept that's become extremely valuable to me, which is learn why a problem is difficult rather than just assuming, especially rather than just assuming that it's easy to fix, right? And this is why you should never begin a sentence with, you should, why don't you just dot, dot, dot. Why don't you just dot, dot, dot. Why don't you just remove the fence? I was like, well, hang on, Jack. Let's figure out why that fence was there. Like, you know, the Twitter brain makes you the kind of, makes one the kind of person who's constantly saying, well, why don't you just this? Why don't you just that? Well, because all the easy problems were solved millennia ago. Right. If a problem exists, it's because it's difficult. And what kind of like cocky, self-involved attitude would it take for all of us to just think that we understand everything that goes into everybody else's decision-making and even if it's just something going like, well, why doesn't Apple make an Apple uh, Apple Pro watch that's $7? And why don't you just blah, blah? Or like, all the ways we try to speculate about the way everybody works and have our reckons about why things are the way they are. Th- to me, Chesterton's fence becomes valuable in life and in your career because it will encourage you to start asking why a problem is difficult rather than asking why aren't the idiots who didn't solve this fired? And if you do that with your own work, you're going to discover interesting things. You're going to discover all kinds of fences, I think. I think you're going to find a lot of stuff, which is like, on the most basic level, why is this a certain way? Why is my desk set up like this? 
you know why my desk is set up like this? My desk is set up like this is because this is how my desk. I'm just pulling this out of the air. My desk right now uh, act like this is true, but it's not. Like um, when I had a home office and this much space, this is how I use my desk. So when I got an office, I set it up exactly the same way. Well, is is that is that the way I want it to be? Is that a Chesterton's fence in the sense of like, well, isn't there potentially a better way to set that up? Think about what your dish rack looked like when you had a baby versus when you had a teenager. Mm. That's a very different dish rack. I like rack. that one. That's a very cool way to say it. That changes. Think about um something all of us us fancy tech boys have talked about over the years is if you're going to travel a lot like we used to, it's a good idea to have a separate set of cables that you can just grab. You never use those at home. This is a topic on ATP pretty often. But like my angle on that is always, yeah, do that. Like have your chargers, have your cables, all the things you need, but also a la the dish rack, have you updated what's in your travel bag? That's your Stuka here. Something that dive bobs in and goes, wow, we have a lot fewer things with uh, lightning ports than the last time we went to, you know, Southern California. We have a lot more things that need USB-C now. We have a lot more things that draw power. Like, is that related? I think it is related. I think that, like, the keeping, keeping updated on those kinds of things is crazy valuable. Um, the Chesterton's fence component of that is, like, have I updated... Uh, you can also think of it as a ladder and wall thing, I guess. Have I updated my idea of what success for this kind of things thing looks like? So, like, I may have packed, I may have made a perfect dish rack area for 2007, but do I maintain it that way forever? Well, let's look at why it's the way that it is. Why is my desk the way it is? Why, you know, the way that I go, the, go to work, whatever it is. I'm keeping this deliberately abstract because I just want to tickle your brain about the idea that on the one hand, there are things that are the way they are and you're not sure why. And then on the other hand, there's things that are the way they are and you're not sure why. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes things have changed for reasons you don't understand. And sometimes things have stayed the same for reasons you can't understand. And interrogating why things are the way they are is arguably next to learning how to use a library QED, the most basic reason to get a liberal arts education, to think about, you know, as, uh, as the late Senator Kennedy said, you know, thinking about things as they are instead of how they should be. I don't know. But you can go too far. You know, at the point, it's in this phrase, one of the great phrases I learned from a uh, great phrase from the great Danny O'Brien when I first, you know, that phrase, yak shaving. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yak shaving is, boy, that is really, I'll see if I can find that for notes. That's really in my wheelhouse. It's all about staying focused, right? It it is, but so on the one hand, yak shaving is about not being distracted in a way that you know you go down different kinds of rabbit holes. But it's also about the very real thing of starting out to solve a certain kind of thing and then realizing or realizing, discovering, or causing dependencies that you didn't know existed. Right. So. Um, gosh, what am I thinking about? For some reason, I'm thinking about community, the, the now banned advanced D and D episode, which is a shame because it's one of the great episodes, Boy, they got to go off on a side quest to find Duquesne's sword. And they got to go find, they got to go find a, uh, uh, not a unicorn, not a centaur, but they got to go find a Pegasus so they can fly and they can go find Pierce Hawthorne. Well, it started off seeming like we're just going to play uh, D and D to make Neil happy, but then you realize there's these other things that are involved and those dependencies Dependencies in life, and what's a, what's a more salient example here, is like me thinking, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like if I want to set up this, uh, this Shure mic, 
Um, do I want to do an XLR or do I want to do like the micro USB, that kind of thing that's got to be set up. Am I going to make sure that all works before I do my thing? The classic yak shaving. Yes. There's the kind of yak shaving, which is, you know, like a late old lady who swallowed a fly type mm-hmm. weird dependencies. It can be the kinds that you create on your own, or it can be the kind that cannot be avoided where you think there is one step between where I am and where I need to be, right? Like, for example, I need to I need to move my car because it's alternate side of the street parking or street cleaning. And you're like, oh, yeah, but like, I don't know where the car keys are. Oh, I found the car keys, but I don't know where the car is parked. I found like th- that kind of thing where like you haven't really, you hadn't really gamed out what was involved. Would that matter in life? It sure does. If you're supposed to be somewhere in three minutes or there's somebody ticketing right now, that's going to give you a, a, a lot more incentive to try and get that problem solved. Yeah. But the, I mean, however, whether yak shaving is external or internal in its, in its um, genesis, like the effect can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like trying to like, what are other examples of this with, with yak shaving? A lot of that is like stuff in a tech stack or, you know, see also Chesterton's fence. Like why, why, why is this thing coded in that way? Can't I just get rid of all these ugly braces? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I don't like the way those look. Can I just do brackets? Well, <laughs> then it won't work. But, um, I, and that's where I, that's where I get hung up. That example of like, you know, I, I, um, Oh boy, is this ever embarrassing? Sometimes I'll, I, I will. I'll think, oh, I'm going to get back into like dry erase. I really like dry erase. So I have I have these dry erases around my office. I bought a set of ten of these little like small dry erase boards for schools that make it real easy to like everybody has a dry erase board. Like mm-hmm. like like when you see a photo of kids in the early 20th century and they each have a little chalkboard with a little piece of chalk. Yeah. And you can put those around, you can post them up. And like the first thing I write on um, a new whiteboard is usually something like find my whiteboard markers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first page is profound. Uh Same idea. Uh Um, But but like that kind of thing. And then that'll just sit there for months and I'll stare at it and I'll go, huh, maybe that should be instructive. That should be a learning experience to me. But like then what am I going to do? Oh, you know what I should do? I should get this whiteboard and I should put it up. I should get some of those uh, command strip Velcro things to put this up in right. this place. And then I'll do that. No, I should, well, I'm doing that. I should put it here. But then I realize the wall's kind of dirty right here. So I should probably clean that first. So I should probably get some 90% isopropyl alcohol and clean that off. But oh man, we're low on isopropyl alcohol. I wonder if I should order more of that right mm-hmm. now. And if I order that, if I don't order that right now, should I write it down on the whiteboard? Right. Yeah, none of you do that. But that's 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 a form of yak shaving. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, but you know, a lot of it does come back to that chick sent me high flow stuff of like, is this something I'm good at? Um, is this something that I'm I have a high level of skill at? And what is the level of challenge? Because confronted with a world of things in which we have low skill and high challenge, we will tend to gravitate toward things that are lower challenge and higher skill, but those aren't always the things that really need to be done. And sometimes shaving a yak is a lot more fun than figuring out if you should look for a different job. Dang, that was good. That was a good you one. You think? Yeah. yeah. Um, we have, um, oh yeah, oh, I guess I can put these, I put these in notes. I have, um, 
well, my main pencil sharpener I like a lot. The two things, the only two things I want to flog are that uh, the Blackwing matte pencils are good, but I also have this manual pencil sharpener that I like a lot. It's kind of a little bit similar to the kind you'd have in a classroom, but you know what I mean? Like the old school underwood. End of the teacher's desk in the corner with a couple screws. Yeah, and they put your chattering teeth in a mm-hmm. and, and your and your you know uh, garlic gum into the drawer there. Yeah, and your fart cushion. Um, <laughs> my fart cushion. Yeah. That's an heirloom. Yeah, you can't, you can't keep those, Mrs. Krabappel. No, that's my grandpa's fart cushion. That's right. Uh, I don't. You know, if I can, I'll find it for notes. But I think you still have one more thing you wanted to uh, share with the share with the class. But before that, did you want to tell me about a uh, second thing you like? Yeah, I would love to tell you about Squarespace. I mean, some people have heard of it already, but I feel like that there's a lot of people in our audiences that have never heard this. Hmm. Uh, so let me let me start from the beginning. Let's start from uh, first principles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform for building your brand, growing your business online. You're going to stand out because you're going to have a beautiful website. And the website's going to let you engage with your audience, Merlin. It's going to let you sell anything. you got products, you got content to create, even your time. Hmm. If you want to start like a new side hustle, is this your next big thing? Is it your company? Have you built an app that you want to launch? Squarespace has got you covered. They've got best-in-class templates. And they keep adding more. Like, it's an obsession with them. Like, you think, can you guys stop? And they're like, yeah, we're going to stop when we're dead. That's Mm. actually, they can have that. They can run with that. When we're dead. When they're dead. That's pretty good. That's when they're going to stop. Because you can go in, and this this is something that they knew that they've done. They used to just have the templates kind of organized together by a look and feel and things, which it was a nice way to do it, but they've come out with a new way to do it. They actually have them by category of your business now. So you can find the perfect starting place. You customize the templates to fit your needs and they give you the framework that just works. So whatever it is that you're doing or making or selling, they have all the tools you need to get your business off the ground. Beyond e-commerce templates, you're going to get inventory management. You're going to get a checkout process. It's all built in and already set up just the way you need it. You get secure payments. It's all right there. And remember I mentioned before that maybe you're doing uh, something like selling your time. Well, they've got buy appointment business templates that are already set up here. So maybe you're going to be a personal trainer. You're a consultant. You're a general contractor. Guess what? You can add online booking and scheduling to your Squarespace site Clients can come and see your availability. They can even reschedule with you if they need. Who wants to manage all that without help? I don't want to manage all that. I want to outsource that, Dan. So this is what you do. You go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. You're going to get a free trial. Now, I'm going to to let people in on a little secret, Marlon. You can do that anyway. You just go to Squarespace and get a free trial. That's not what we're offering. That's not Hmm. the the ask, as you say. The ask is is that they want you to sign up and that you're going to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Did I mention they sell domains? They do that too. So go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. If you're listening to the show right now, just take a second, go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. It lets them know you're listening. Then they'll re-up with us. We can keep doing the show. But once you're there, do yourself a favor. Use the offer code it's your show and you're going to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So that's all I've got to say about that. Thanks very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Thank you, Squarespace. Bok, bok. Hmm. That's nice. So you want to hear yeah. this story? I got a story. I do. I got a story to tell. And it's, you know, on this show, Merlin, we talk about, we talk about productivity. We talk about being efficient. And we mm-hmm. talk about setting up systems 
that help you do things right and do them right the first time. And I wanted to share a story about how a, a little company got it all wrong. Oh, boy. And failed to make it right. Oh, no. Oh, so I no. ordered some food. And uh, it was for my, me and my, my, my two precious, beautiful children who were both so hungry. And they wanted to get Mighty Fine Burgers. Uh, and Mighty Fine Burgers, Mighty Fine is a great burger place here in town. It's fast food, but they go the extra mile. They do a really good job. And Mighty Fine, I just want to say, love, love them. They're not a part of this. They're not bad. Everything good to Mighty Fine. All props to Mighty Fine Burgers. And it's one of my kids' favorite. It's the one of the few restaurants, Merlin, that they can both agree on, where they can both get something that they like. So right. Mighty Fine, put in the order, and this company is supposed to go to the restaurant, pick up the food, and bring the food to my house. That's it. That's all that the company is supposed to do. What's neat is you can go on the site and you can look and see where your person that's picking up the food actually is. You know, you want to know, you want to know where they are. Well, this is going to tell you where they are. And it shows a little thing and it'll say your person is driving to the restaurant. Your person is at the restaurant. Your person is waiting for the food at the restaurant. Your person has the food. Your person's on the route to you. Your person is approaching. Your person has dropped off the food. Bye. That's the way it's supposed right. to go. And most of the time, this is exactly how it goes. Well, this <laughs> time, the person was at the restaurant, and they were there for about five minutes, and then they disappeared. They left. And so they, so then they, they had to send another person well, out. Maybe it's, maybe it's Batman. Maybe we got called. Maybe there's a bat signal out there. I don't know what happened to the person, but they left. Now, my guess, and from talking to people who've actually worked at this place, if it feels like they're going to wait too long, they're like, well, I could go do another job instead of this one where I might have to wait five minutes. I'm not waiting five minutes. Right. Screw that. So I'm going to instead just leave. That's what I think happened. Or maybe it was a bat signal. Who knows? We don't know. No, they're, they're the not person getting paid now, while they wait. Because my beautiful, precious children were very hungry. I paid you, should have extra, men- you probably should have mentioned that in the note. I paid an extra like $2 to expedite oh, I, I the delivery. Yeah, I'm an expediter. Yeah. So I expedited it to get it there sooner. And what happened, you would think, was that they would get it to you sooner because you paid for that if they could. It doesn't, it's not a guarantee. And I knew that. I was taking a $2 risk or $3 risk. Maybe it wasn't going to be expedited, but that was okay. For, I was okay with that because in the past it has been expedited when they get it right. That, now, I've had this, this similar problem before with this, uh, but let me just cut to the chase because this is getting boring. Mm-mm. They Now they had to dispatch a new person, and the time went from, let's say they were going to get it there originally at 7.05 p.m. Now it went to 7.25 to 7.35 p.m. And this whole time your children are hungry, is that correct? They're, they're precious. Mm-hmm. They're so precious. They're just hungry. And so that's not great, but I know there's not much you can do about that, but they do have that little help link. And so I clicked the little help link and I said, hey, let's like curious what's going on here, people. Like why, why, uh, what, what happened? And they're like, well, really sorry that this happened. And uh, we don't have any explanation as to why it happened, but it did happen. And we feel bad. We're going to give you five dollars. I said, "Oh well, like okay, well, something." Hmm. It doesn't help my my poor children who are starving, but my kids can have half a coupon. 
It's yeah, it's five bucks. Okay, fine. Well, then the delivery doesn't show up at the time that they said it was, and that's weird. And so we wait another ten minutes, and then I get a notification that it's delivered, but it was not delivered. It was not in the front of the house by the door. No one rang the bell, even though there's instructions to ring the bell. So I went around back because, you know, there's like an alley in the back of the houses where you put the cars in the garage. And uh, sometimes... To, for, to catch a dasher, you need to think like a dasher. Yes. Yeah, so sometimes they, they leave stuff back there. So I went back there. It's not there. So then I look and now an image has appeared. And I look at the image. It's very much not my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know whose house it is. So there's a little way you can message in there to the person. And I say, person, I said, that's not my house. Mm-hmm. Where have you left it? And they're like, yes, it is. <laughs> so the, the person doing the food <laughs> you delivery. Had you thought about that, Dan? Had you thought about that maybe it's not the house you think? I didn't think that I, maybe I'm in the wrong house, Merlin. I didn't know. Maybe wow. me and my kids and all my stuff Talk are about in the wrong Stuka house. Talk about coming in. Woof. Seriously. So I, uh, I'm like, okay, okay, you know. Let me go outside and see if I can like match this picture to another house. And it turns out it's the house across the street. And their, uh, their house is one digit off of mine. Oh, I see. And so I text the person and I say, you dropped it at this house, not at mine. And they said, no, it said that, it said that address on, the, on the, you know, the delivery thing. Now, I have to tell you something. I know a thing or two about computers mm-hmm. and I know because when I signed up for this service that my address is right, not only because I see it on the screen in front of me, but because I placed lots of orders before with these guys and sometimes they deliver the food. And so looking at this, I know that it's not the wrong address. I know that it's not possible for the address to be wrong. You know why Merlin? Because it's 2022. We use computers for these things. And it's not like the game of telephone where one computer says to the other, the last digit is four. And the other computer says, did you say four? I thought you said five and got it wrong. Nope, that doesn't happen because my computers, if I enter the number in and if, as, a, as a four or a five, it's going to know the difference between a four or five. And that's what it's going to show to the person. I said, you're incorrect. It didn't show that. It shows this. And they stopped replying to me. Now, mm-hmm. why didn't I just go across the street and get the bag? Well, of course I would do that. So I go and I walk across Was the street. Was it the principal? No. Oh. And guess what? What? The bag is right there inside the door. They've taken it inside their house. And they have it sitting there right by the front door so that you can look through the little, you know, the doors have the little side, long, tall, rectangular window you can look through and there's the bag right there. And next to it, sitting on the bench. <laughs> just imagining a camera where you can be seen, your face can be seen. Yeah, there's a, they had looking. a Nest camera there too. They had a uh-huh. Nest camera. And next to it, sitting on the little bench by the front door is my daughter's little strawberry milkshake that she hmm. was so hungry to get that she never gets except when we go to the Mighty Fine. And I'm like, oh, good. It's right there. At least I can get the food, even though this company screwed up completely in in getting it here. Was it inside the locked solid door or between the screen door and no, the, it like, was it was in fully inside their they house. Had, they had taken they had taken uh, they'd accepted receipt. the order. They'd, I see. Yeah. And I see. and so I knock on the door. And there's no answer. So then I press the ring doorbell button and it it makes its little sound and and lights up and nobody answers. 
And so, you know, I did the thing that everybody does, which is you just start banging louder until you want to be sure, like, no one's are you Are you closely acquainted with these neighbors? No. Okay. So then I lo- go back to the app, and I look at the picture, and I can see in the picture that the garage door was open as if they were a- arriving or perhaps <laughs> departing. <laughs> they made your dinner into, a, like, an escape room. <laughs> And I see that the garage door in real life is now closed. And it occurs to me that this family took receipt of the food, brought it inside, positioned it so that it could be seen from the outside, and then left. Mm -hmm. So they took (laughs) delivery of the food, locked it up, and left. And then my, my frustration with the delivery company shifted to the owners of this house because they did something that to me would be unthinkable. And that here's what, here's what they did. They took receipt of someone else's food that they knew that they did not order, Mm -hmm. locked it inside their house and left making it impossible for the proper recipient to retrieve the food ever Mm -hmm. because they were gone all night. Right. They're, and you know what they didn't do? They didn't eat the food because they left it sitting out for hours. They right. didn't eat it. They threw it out. So not only did they make it impossible for us to eat our food, but they themselves didn't enjoy the food either. If they had eaten it, I would have been like, well, they, you know, they were hungry. They ate the food. Oh, well, what an unpleasant evening. I would have felt better about that if they didn't. No. So what I want to know from you and the listeners. Oh, Jesus. Don't get me involved in this. Is, you know, you're involved now. Ugh. Is... What is the thinking? Because if somebody misdelivered food to me, you know what I'm going to do, Merlin? I'm going to look at the bag and I, you know what? There's a receipt on the bag that says my first name on it and my address on it. These people who live, I can't, Merlin, 30, yeah. 30 steps away from me tops. I would have met yeah. them halfway. It's a different number though. Yeah. I would have met them halfway. They could have looked at the bag and said, well, this isn't meant for us. Honey, did you order Mighty Fine at the exact moment that we were about to walk out the door? You didn't order it. Hmm. Do you think that this receipt on the outside with this other person's address that's only one number off from ours, whose house I can see every single time that I walk out the front door of the garage of my house, do you think it might be there? Should we take it over to them? No, we don't have time. We don't have time. We've got to go. But you know what we can do? We're just going to leave it out front because these people across the street will eventually figure out what happened and then they can come and get it. No, 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 honey. Don't do that. Lock it up but make sure you put it inside where they can see it. Hmm. That's, that's really that's all frustrating. all i got to say about that. Yeah. So they did give me a refund and then they applied a credit to the account, but do I trust them enough to do it? And I said, I told the person that I was talking to, I said, listen, we've ordered from you before. Sometimes you get the food to us and I, I just am confused because why did the person doing the delivery lie about it? Why didn't they just say, oh, I made a mistake? Because then I would feel bad for him. You know why, Merlin? Because I've made mistakes too. I've made lots of mistakes. My life is a string of mistake after mistake. Mm -hmm. So I get it if somebody says, I messed up. I'm going to say, it's okay. We all make mistakes, but you know what I can't abide? Is them saying, it said a different number. No, you can't do that because of the computer thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really frustrating. Uh, boy. Um, but I did tell hmm. the, the company that I was going to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, good. So I had to well, keep my word. Hello. Welcome. 
Well, you know, uh, in my estimation, when it comes to getting something, I God, I, I really, I, and I don't want to contravene anything you're saying. It's a, it, it is a tough racket. There's a really good episode of Radio Lab this week about the gig economy that I'd recommend to folks. Um, there's a lot of people who are doing this door, or this well, door dashy and there's Uber of, there's, Eats and all that for extra like, cash. Um, unless you're a connoisseur, and I'm not saying you need to be, but unless, okay, first of all, I'm going to say a, f- a true fact stated, and like uh, this, your experience, y'all, it might be different. We do a lot of delivery l- related things, whether that's grocery or food or whatever. Um, just to say that, in my experience, there's pretty much exactly two ways a given delivery can go, which is flawless, or you need to move to another town and start over. Like in terms of like trying to fix a food order, there is no fix for a food order. And part of that is because those are all different independent people like doing doing their thing. And like when you complain, you're complaining to the company, but I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm, you don't know like exactly like, you know, what was happening with that person, what was going on. It sounds like they could have done that better. But the the, the larger problem is that, you know, notwithstanding the fact that there is theoretically a number that you can call, it tends to, I, don't, I feel like I'm lecturing you, but like, I think it tends to go flawlessly or it blows completely up. Right. One thing to be aware <laughs> of in terms of just um, protecting everybody involved, starting with yourself is, as you learn in this, this really, to me, really interesting um, radio lab, is that there's something I've seen before where like the quality of the menu in this is this is actually relevant. The quality of the menu in a given app can be very telling. Like there are times where regardless of like how good the photography is or whatever, I feel like there are ways where you can tell that a given restaurant has been more or less more or less involved in how it ended up in that app. Now the truth is, now this is a true thing from this podcast. I've heard this many other places. There are companies out there that deliver food. They just scrape menus, take right. the calls, and I don't want to spoil it for you, but like it's there is not any input from that restaurant in this sure. case. Um, and you can, I'll tell you one good, if just for DoorDash in particular, if you can't make a specialized note in right. associated association with a given item. Uh-huh. That may be, in my experience, that's a signal that it's a scrape. Like, just mm. because, like, there, there'll be, like, you know, can you find the same, same typos that you would find in an online menu, but, or it'll just be like this, you know, incredibly disorganized, whereas other places there's a huge level of integration. I, I, I think it tends to go really well or it tends to go horribly, but if the menu seems like a mess when you're ordering, that can, that can be a signal. The truth is, Dan, like, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to solve something like that because I personally, less so now, but I used to get very emotional about things like that. It would make me really mad. And for the reason you're stating, which I think is an understandable reason, which is like, don't gaslight me. Like, you know, hey, FedEx, you did not deliver this. I've been on the phone with people at FedEx who are obviously looking at my house on Google Maps and asking me questions about my house. And it's like, wait, so your contention is that it's just in a bush somewhere and I haven't found it. It's like, oh, do you still have that tree over there? It's like, whether or not I have a given piece of arbor mm-hmm. on, on the land where I live, um, is, the, is it a common practice for you guys to play a little game where you like to put the box somewhere funny that mm-hmm. the recipient wouldn't think to look? You know? 
like I know I'm just doing this to ruin your day. I'm just calling you because this costly item is uh, I made it up. You know what? You caught me. I made it up. I didn't actually order this at all. I've just done this to waste your time. I'm just having so much fun talking with you about this. There's that kind of thing. Mm, but then right. I've also had cases. I'll never forget this. There's a period where I, was, where I was trying out. You know, I like the Vietnamese soup called pho. And I was trying it from different places. And as it happened one day, I ordered it. Some places it was a little further than where I normally order from. And, and I, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to say, like, this is, this is complicated. And to cut a long story short, I, I got, it was taking a really long time. It had been over an hour and I hadn't heard anything. And eventually I got, I think it was through the app, I heard from the delivery person that their, <laughs> their car had broken down like four miles oh, south no. of here. And they were trying to get a car that they could borrow to deliver it. And I'm like, oh, listen, listen, please, please, please don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Long story short, at one point, um, somebody carried my $20 worth of soup from Daly City to my house on foot. No. Yeah. And I, 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 I well, I mean, I, I gave him a $60 tip and I said, I can't believe, cause, cause no, it's not worth $60 to me to have my cold soup delivered by a sweating man, but Jesus Christ, talk about a little something for the effort. I was like, that was so decent <laughs> of you and so kind of you to do that. What I would never say is like, believe, I'm not going to touch the soup. I don't want soup that's been walked across a county line. But, but that's not the point. The point was that was another person who was really hustling. Talk about somebody you'd want to hire. My gosh, uh, that the the hustle that person had. I just I know this stuff is complicated, and I I, I try not to like. If I'm going to yell at anybody, it's going to be these the actual services that have created an environment in which it's either flawless or you just have to start over. Right. But, it, but it, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And sometimes the, the, the support for things like that can be really frustrating too. The like, and not even the support in the sense of, but like in the sense of like, Oh, I want somebody to yell at for eight minutes and then I want lots of free stuff, but more of like, be careful who you yell at, because if you start what you may not realize, have you ever gotten this one where it says, uh, you know, your, your order cannot be tracked by J random vendor because of blah, blah. Oh, well, yeah? sometimes it's been passed off to somebody places that have their own delivery driver. Mm. That's interesting. Then there's other ones where like the problem is, and, and is you could yell at the guy at the soup place all night, but it's not his fault that that person decided to bounce and take a different order. Right. There's not, you know, it's, I, I don't think that's ever going to get to an FDIC level of security. You know what I mean? Like in the way FDIC says your deposit is in this bank oh, under yeah, these conditions, sure. you get a hundred thousand dollar guarantee that like, you'll be, this is a bank and you can trust it like a bank. And FDR says your money's okie dokie up to a hundred thousand dollars. I don't think you're ever going to get to that level in, in this, in this, the way the modern economy works and the way that VC funded companies work. I don't think we're ever going to get to six nines of quality on food delivery with the way that it's being done, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but you know, and, and then just to go back to our previous point, it's like, man, a lot has changed. Like whether that's what they call them ghost kitchens or like there are, there are now restaurants in, in town that opened as places that only do takeout and delivery because of that change in the economy as a result of COVID and people are running around trying to catch. I'm sorry. Did you, did, what'd you end up having instead? What'd you eat? Um, you're so angry you're not hungry at that point, probably. Uh, interestingly enough, my son was more angry than I than me or, or my girl was, but... Disappointed, uh, betrayed. A frozen, yes. uh, frozen pizza. 
Oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I benefit so much from those hard edges that let me say, please just bring me a bag of ice while I record a podcast. <laughs> for some reason, that comes to mind. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for that, and I, I do try to tip generously, but, you know, we just had Labor Day, and uh, boy, Labor's a complicated thing nowadays. It's real complicated. It is. I wish I could comfort you. I could get you a gift card uh, for for like a caviar no, or I mean, something. I, I'm okay with it now. I feel like I've, you know, I've processed through everything, um, worked through it, you know, therapy appointment later in the week. But It reminds me a little bit of, like, this is a conversation we had probably years ago, mm. whether it's uh, cable providers, cellular providers, mm. airlines, I mean, if one is the sort of person that says, I am never flying X airline again, it's like, well, they'd be bummed because they sure would like you to, to use them. But it's like, you don't have that many other options. If, if you just decide, depending especially on where you live, like if you live in Chicago and decide you just don't want to fly United anymore, yeah, you know, that's going to really limit your options. There's like, we have to figure out how to work with everybody. I sometimes don't know how to tip. I mean, I tip, I generally tip, I never tip less than 10%. Right. If it depends on the amount and the work, but I usually do 20%. But even that, like, I'm not sure. Like, it's weird that the app keeps prompting me in some cases to tip, like, do you want to tip $1, $2, or $3? I'm like, hmm, every single one of those sounds really low. Like, I would never, like, on, I, I don't know, I don't want to talk about it, but I've got my own rules for, for living sanely and, like, with a good conscience where, like, I never tip less than X amount for a grocery delivery, and I rarely tip more than Y amount because it, it depends on what they're getting, right? But, like, if I'm getting, let's be honest, Instacart delivers stuff from Best Buy, and so, like, if it was a, if it's a single thing, and, like, I, but I'm, I'm got to be honest, if that thing was $300, I'm not going to tip 20%. I hope that doesn't make me a monster. No, I think that there's limits. I think I generally give them job advice. Uh, I recommend podcasts when they come. I say, well, yeah, if you want, you can come on in and watch me eat while I give you some advice about your career. Some people regard me as funny. If you'd like me to hear, hear me be, uh, be humorous with you, I could do that. You know, just yeah. a tip in life experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it has changed though. Like there are things where like, I just, I don't, sometimes I just, I think the pandemic, in part, also made me realize how little I, did, how, how how much I despise certain kinds of housework, like like food meals that make a big mess but aren't that good. We don't do those nearly as much as we used to. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, now there you go. Maybe we could, they could have somebody clean, come and clean my dishes for me. See, that's it. Outsource that. That's what you're going to outsource. You're going to outsource that. I guess so. But our house has so many tricks and hacks and secret knocks to make the house work that I feel like I would spend the entire time trying to explain why the water's not hot. No, you definitely would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So really, you know, pencils, analog, uh, dashing. Oh, mm. yeah, I, I got something that's kind of cool. You know what I do like is my grocery app will sometimes tell me, hey, thus and such person is delivering your groceries. You've given them five stars before. I think that's a smart thing to do. For a variety of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where it'll pop, I don't know if you've ever gotten this, but we get this, well, it's Instacart, it's what we use. And it'll pop up and it'll say, hey, Instacart, like you, you've gotten 
Balthazar before. And Balthazar, previously, you've given Balthazar five stars. And, um, oh, and by the way, I used to give a lot more five-star reviews before I started getting those emails from Instacart that say, we're glad your order went well, but we didn't really read this because you said mm-hmm. it was a good delivery. Mm-hmm. Good job, guys. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, th- I think that's a smart thing to do. It'd be nice mm-hmm. if you could request people. We did this once. We once poached somebody who was a Lyft driver. And I, I shouldn't say this, but we used to get this guy through Lyft, and he was really, 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 really good. And when my wife got surgery, and I knew I'd have to get my kid to school in a hired car for a couple weeks, we made a side deal with that guy. You made a side deal? Mm-hmm. You had a thing on the side oh, going. There's one thing we haven't even addressed yet. What about your neighbors? Have you said anything? Where's my, where's my, where's my sweet, precious daughter's no, strawberry shake? No, because like... The only thing that I want to know from them is why are you bad? That's what you yeah, want to say? Yeah, I mean that is kind of what are I you want bad to person? say. Like yeah. what what was your thinking in locking this up inside the house and then leaving for hours when you know that the person across the street is obviously going to walk out and come and get it? Like there, you do completely lack all common sense and and decency as a person, and then to put it in sort of like a grandstanding kind of way, like I'm going to put it right here where you can see it, but you can't mm. get it. You can't get it. I think the Magna Carta gives you permission to break that glass. Bunch of jerks. Bunch of jerks. Twelve fifteen. Look it up. Hey, you hey. know, everybody trying to stay cool out there. Yeah, Down to 80.5 80, in here, which is keep pretty nice. Got a beverage um, and, uh, and drawing. Drawing is fun. Oh, yeah, I was going to send you one. Oh, they're also bald. They all kind Show of look me one. Li- we'll do cover art with. Well, it. I got one that looks more like Caillou than I'd like. My kid pointed out I basically drew a, a, a balding Caillou. Do you think we've given the listeners enough ninety-five minutes of time? I don't know. I feel kind of bad. I, I feel I've, I've, I, I, I I babbled a lot, and then, and then I'm worried that people were going to make somebody mad who like delivers food. You know, because that's a hard job. You know, but you it think is we're a okay? hard job, and it's. But here's the thing: you make a mistake. You say I made a mistake. Yes. Then people don't, people like everyone's made a mistake. If you make a mistake and you're like, I'm sorry, I messed up. What's they, what are they going to say? I, I forgive right. you. That's all they're going to say. Yeah. If, they, if you're a parent, you have an extra level of sympathy for people who make a mistake. I think you say, you know what? I made a mistake. And you're like, you're not going to look at your kid and be like, oh, you made a mistake. Well, you're dumb. You're not going to say that. You're going to say, you're my kid. Of course you made a mistake. Right. I've made mistakes too. That's all. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and like in a lot of those instances, the thing that I really want is well, obviously, what I would prefer is that everything go great. But if it doesn't go great, I wish there was an easier way to just like bomb the whole thing. Like in the case of that guy carrying my soup from another city, <laughs> I like just, I, 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 I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't know. I didn't want to. I was like, yeah so bad and like I, I i like i don't know how can i hit eject on this fast enough i don't want to i'm right. not yelling at the guy that person's doing extraordinary stuff i'm sorry the car didn't work out but you know um i i know i don't know how to handle that i mean mm. every problem is a human problem maybe we should eradicate the humans maybe daleks of the future uh, now, if daleks dalek doordash <laughs> i would be into that just talking at this point all right yeah. let's button this up all right then okay i love you i love you too merlin man